Hallelujah. I think the time I remember hearing that Jesus was coming when I was a little kid, you know, my grandmother, basically she would use it as a a way to uh, make us behave. And, uh, you know, you never know when the Lord is coming back. Y'all need to behave yourselves, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, you know, I was a little kid then, and I'm uh, years old right now. And uh, I'm 59. I just turned 59 back in April, and so I'm not ashamed. Any day above ground is a good day. Praise the Lord. Although heaven's a wonderful place, but we're not getting up the load to go tonight. Praise the Lord. So I re- just remember hearing ongoing about Jesus returning, Jesus coming back. And, uh, and he hasn't yet, but it's closer than it ever was. Praise the Lord. And so, um, you know, when in his first coming, he came, he had a physical body that he came to earth in. And uh, the Lord talks about, uh, the scriptures talk about how God prepared him over in Hebrews chapter 10, how God prepared his body prepared himself a body, and he prepared that himself a body in Jesus Christ. Um, in Hebrews 10, 5, it says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And so his physical body came to the earth to carry out the plan and purpose of God, to carry out redemption for us. And uh, so in that body. But tonight, what I want to talk about a little bit more about is his spiritual body, which we are. Amen. Hallelujah. And we look at scriptures in uh, Ephesians 1, 6 through 23, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but uh, towards the end there it says, I think it's verse 22 or 23, it says, the church which is his body. The church which is his body. And then Ephesians five twenty three says, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And verse 30 says, for we are members of his body, Ephesians 5.30, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. So we are the body of Christ. We belong to him. He is the head, and he gives the instructions to the body to do what he needs the body to do. And he, one of my favorite scriptures is in Ephesians 2, and we're going to read it here in just a second. But it talks about how he gave us access to him through his blood. You know, we didn't have access. We were praying that just a little minute ago. We didn't have access to him. But now we have access to him through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And if you just give me a little latitude here, I know... Uh, this is be like a sword drill tonight, all right? So sword drill is, you know, we're turning to the scripture, the scripture, the scripture. So if you just hang on, we'll get it done, all right? In Ephesians 2, verse 1, and it says, And you, and, uh, let's see, and you made a, and you made him, and you, he made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. In that verse it says, and you. That means me, and that means you. He made alive, which means that we were dead at one time. He made alive, and according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of whom now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So he's painting a picture here of what we look like before Christ, before he made us alive. Verse 4, but God, don't you like that verse? <laughs> Who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, with which he loved us, even when he, we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which we just sang about, praise the Lord, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, me, once Gentiles in the flesh, meaning outside of the covenant, who were called uncircumcision by what we call the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, say without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers by the covenant of promise, from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, don't you like that? In Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, we were once afar off, have been made near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. That good news, we've been made near by the blood of Christ. We were outside of the covenant. We had no hope. They didn't give us a name. They just lumped us all into Gentile nation. But because of him and because of his blood, we have hope now and we've been brought into the covenant. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Who has made uh, both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished, and that word abolished there means cause to cease. He abolished in his flesh the enmity or the opposition. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, meaning those who were in the covenant, those who were outside of God, in himself he created one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now as we're reading this portion of scripture, listen to this. He talks about peace. He talks about making one. He talks about one body. In himself he made peace. In himself he made one body. And verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity or the opposition. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, that was us, and those who were near, those were the Jews. For through him, say through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So he keeps talking about one um, uh, uh, peace. He keeps talking about enmity and uh, division and opposition. He, he brought, broke down the middle wall of petition. He got rid of it. Even in the book of Acts, even in the New Testament, they said, okay, you believe on Jesus now, you need to be circumcised. Uh-uh. 
No, that's not required here, right? For through him, we both have access to one spirit to the Father. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you who are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. If you're born again in this room, say, I'm a member of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitly uh, fitted together grows into a holy temple in the, in the Lord in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So Jesus is saying here he's our peace. He said he brought peace. He broke down the middle wall, the petitions that were between us. So if he broke down the walls, who are we to put them up? Amen. If he abolished and, uh, and, and, uh, the opposition, who are we to put more opposition there? If he made us all one, who are we to separate? Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So what I want to talk to you about tonight is us being, and we're going to look at some other things here in just a minute, about one body. We are one body. We are many members, but we are one body. And we're not just a body locally here at Cornerstone Water Life Church. Yes, that is true. But we're a part of a global body of Christ. Hallelujah. And so uh, there's some things that God is wanting to do in and through his body, which we are. So he's the head. He's got um, uh, directions for us. He's got things that he's wanting us to do. And, uh, you know, he's coming back for his harvest, which we're a part of that. But there's still others that are out there that are not part of this uh, body yet. And let's go to 1 Corinthians um, Let's see, is, do I want to do that yet? I'm going to hold off on that for just a second. When I was growing up, <clears throat> I ran track, and I also did, I uh, was in the marching band. And so sometimes at night, uh, being a part of those two things, I would get cramps in my body. So at night when I was going to sleep, and my body started relaxing, I could feel my big toe starting to, and I know, oh, oh, here it comes, you know, and I know that there's cramps getting ready to start happening in, in on my leg. So when that would start to happen, what I would do is go to the kitchen and get the butcher knife, and I would cut off my big toe. If you're close, you can see I have both of my big toes. Hallelujah. When that would start to happen, the rest of my body went to bring aid and help to my toe, to my leg, whatever was having the spasm. It went to bring a supply to help. When the body is hurting, and I think the body of Christ right now is going through some spasms, to tell you the truth. One time we were over at the A-frame, a former uh, building, and uh, I think it was a Thursday night because they were getting ready to have Ignite that night. And um, uh, it started happening again. And so 
I know part of that is dehydration. I haven't drank enough water. I don't have enough electrolytes and all that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> when this leg started cramping, my, my hands went to, you know, try to help with the spasm, rub it out, try to get up and walk it out. But then this leg started. And then I'm trying to rub both of them. And then my hands started. That, that was a sight to see. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, what I had to do is try to get um, Nick um, Morrow was there at the time. And uh, he worked into in physical therapy and all of that. And he said, we need to get some salt in you. So he went and got mustard packets and started gu me guzzling mustard packets, trying to get them in my body, which I'd never heard. Mustard has salt in it. And it's trying to get it into your body very quickly. So with that analogy... Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about that we are members in particular, that we're a part of a larger body, that we are individuals, but we're, we're members of a body. And so when a part of the body is in distress, and so, you know, if you had seen me at the time, when that started happening in my body, when I try to get up and try to walk, the rest of my body seems to be impaired and is not mobilizing and is not moving the way that it needs to because it knows that there's, there's a fraction, there's something going on here and we're trying to work that out. Now, once that's worked out, I can get along very well. I can walk and go and do and operate and function the way that I need to because my body is functioning the way that it's supposed to, right? In the 1980s, there was a lot of um, scandal in the body of Christ. And in the media at the time, they would say, Christians are the only group that shoot their wounded. If I'm hurting and I'm part of the body, and just as my natural body goes to bring aid to my natural physical body, rather than getting a butcher knife in the, cut, in the kitchen and cutting it off, should I render aid to my body? And who's the head of the body? And what did Jesus do? He paid for his body. I watched this TV show. It's called My Feet Are Killing Me. <laughs> and, uh, and so in, in that show, people come in with all kinds of weird, odd, strange, bizarre, <laughs> any other adjective you want to use, things about their feet. And so in this one particular episode recently that I watched, there was a lady who was born with a club foot. And, uh, and so she'd gone through multiple operations and they were trying to get it, you know, situated and all of that. And so at some point she just got tired. And what she decided, she was wearing a boot from her knee down. And she just decided, because she was tired of it, she didn't want to look at it anymore. She didn't want to deal with it. You know, in her uh, estimation, out of sight, out of mind, you know, I'm, I'm not, not going to fool with it. So. She finds this particular doctor to come to, to help her. When she comes into the doctor's office, she sits down, the doctor comes in, and she said, okay, tell me what's happening, what's going on? 
And she said, told her her history and all of that. And she said, well, what's been happening with it right now? She said, I don't know. She said, what do you mean you don't know? She said, I haven't seen my leg, my lower part of my leg in two years. And she said, what do you mean you haven't seen the lower part of your leg in two years? She said, I just didn't want to do it, deal with it. I didn't just want to put it out of my mouth. Now she's showering with the boot on. Everything else, and I thought, oh my God, this is gonna look like a hot mess when she takes this boot off, you know? And sure enough, it looked like a hot mess when she took it off. And so she's peeling this boot off, and I'm thinking, amputation, amputation, amputation. She's gonna have to cut it off. That was not her first go-to. Her first go-to was, we're gonna do everything we can to keep your leg and your foot. And she said, we got to fix what's going on with it right now before we even look at having an operation for the club foot part of it. But her first go-to wasn't to cut her off, cut her foot off. Her first go-to when things were, she had a fungus, she, I mean, it looked horrible. But rather than cutting it off, we're going to do everything we can and she began right then, just cleaning everything up. And even just her leaving the doctor's office that day, it looked 50% better than it did when she walked in there. Why am I saying all this? Is that we are the body of Christ. We are his, what he's depending on in the earth. Uh, in the gospels, he tells us, that the rest of the world, when they look at us, they will know that we are his disciples because we love one another. And right now, quite honestly, if the world is looking at the body of Christ to see if we're his disciples, we're fragmented all over the place. And so that term in Ephesians 1, the church which is his body, the church which is his body, has just been rolling around in me for the last two years or so, the church which is his body. And I've been praying for the church which is his body. Uh, one of my uh, instructors from Bible school, she and her husband were missionaries to Singapore. And uh, she said, in the neighborhood where they lived, that I guess there were things on the outside of their home where you could tell what religion they were. You know, people would put the Christian flag out. They'd put a Buddhist, you know, something out. They would have all of these identification markers of what they believed in. And so she said, when you found that there was another Christian, you're like, I don't care what kind of Christian you are. If you believe in Jesus, we're one. <laughs> because you've got all of this plethora of everything else around you and you want to be unified. We need to stick together, you know. And so she said there were uh, <clears throat> Word of Faith Christians, there were uh, Baptist Christians, there were Methodist Christians, there were, you know, whatever else. And she said they got together and decided, okay, so you Word of Faith people, you believe in healing. And we don't, we other folk, we don't understand healing all that well. 
So why don't we get together, and I don't know how often they did this, and you teach us from the Bible about healing. And then you Baptist folk, you know, you know more about getting people born again. And so to help with the rest of us, you take a session, you teach on how to get people born again, and so on and so forth. And so it brought a supply to the body. Whatever their strengths were, they brought that to make the body stronger rather than cutting it off. And if you're (laughs) soldiers in a foxhole in another nation, hallelujah, you want your body (laughs) that's around you. So when you need help, that they can bring aid and supply to the body of Christ, which you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at, let's go to John 17. Let's go to John 17. This is Jesus talking, and he's getting ready to leave them. So John 14 through 18, somewhere in there is this discourse that Jesus has with his disciples right before he leaves. And this is an important prayer or uh, part of that discourse that he, he does. So John 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in, in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved, uh, has loved and loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known uh, that you have sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. Jesus prayed that for us, that we would be one. Not in 2020 or when there was a worldwide pandemic, the enemy sent it all to our houses, tried to isolate us. And, you know, and one thing after another after another has happened that could cause even further isolation, separation, whatever you want to call it. But against the tide of what the world is doing right now, we have these anchors for us to keep us in the place of I am in him, he's the head, I'm the body, we're the body, we are one. And not only that, there's a world that's out there 
that as we're operating as one, as we're operating in the love of God, as we're operating as what he desired and what he prayed in this prayer, that we be one, they're looking at us. And he said, they will know whether you're my disciples or not by your love for one another. So if we're amputating the body, we look like Frankenstein. What if every time, like that time when all four <laughs> parts of my body were in spasm and I decided the, the remedy for it all was to cut it off? Hallelujah. I was praying one day. Well, not even praying about this. The Lord says, said to me, he said, council culture is not kingdom culture. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is love. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is love. Now, in love, we don't just accept anything that comes down the pipe. I'm not saying that at all, you know, because the Bible even talks about those things that we need to got checks and balances in place and all that. But you know where I'm coming from. We don't get our, we don't base our decisions in life on culture. We base our decisions in life on the word of God. And so regardless of what the world says, and how the world tells you this and that and the other is acceptable. We come back to the center of the word of God that anchors us, that makes adjustments in us. When we're thinking squirrely and we're trying to go off to one way or the other, what does his word say? And bring us back correct in the word, right? Hallelujah. Um, just very quickly, let's go to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. I'm trying to weigh whether to say this or not. My preferences should not override my love for you. What do you mean? Well, Ollie came in. Ollie sat in my seat. That's where I sit. What are you doing in my seat? That's where I sit. Well, nobody was sitting here when I came in, but that's my seat. How are Ollie supposed to know that? I drive up in the parking lot. I always park at this parking space. Why are you parking in my parking space? Got quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm driving in traffic. And all of a sudden I want to give a one finger wave. I know. I had to I had to study this before coming in here tonight, so <laughs> praise the Lord. 
my preferences and what I think is important should not override my love for you. We're supposed to prefer one another in love. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. In uh, his first coming, he was up on the mountain of transfiguration with Peter and John, James and John. And then Moses and Elijah appeared. And then his body began to become translucent, I guess, uh, on the mountain. And so Peter's like, let's stay up here. This is awesome. But in that time of prayer or being away with God, he began to transform. His body, his natural physical body became glorious. And he's not coming back for a jacked up church. A janky church. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. He's coming back for a glorious church. But if he's going to come back, we're going to have to act like the church and go after what Jesus is waiting for. And that is the precious fruit of the earth. He says he's long awaiting for the precious fruit of the earth. That's all he's waiting for. And while we're interfighting, people are going to hell every day. I am one as I am with you and them and me and I and you. I, um, uh, somebody posted a video of uh, a guy who's a Satanist. And um, he said he was doing an interview at a radio station. They've been trying to get him into the radio station and everything because of COVID. They've been doing it online. And he actually, at this time, physically walked in. And the lady he's been talking to Uh, was doing the interview and in the interview he says I don't believe in Jesus I just don't and then he went on to say some other things when he got done with the interview evidently she was a Christian she walked up to him without saying a word she embraced him and hugged him and loved on him he said in his lifetime there's only been four Christian people that have treated him with dignity and with honor and not made him feel like he wasn't worth, worthy of Christ. And all she didn't say a word. All she did was hug him. So uh, in his ritual of uh, rites or whatever, he's going to figure out what the next level of ascension in the satanic church is. So when he goes to do that, Jesus shows up in this right of whatever he's doing. Jesus shows up there and he goes, he said, I was a little, I was a little bossy with him. And I said, if you're Jesus, you're going to have to prove it to me. And he said, all of a sudden, the love that he felt from that lady, he identified it with the person who was standing in front of him. And he said, I know that because I felt that from her. He recognized the love of God 
even though he challenged Jesus, and Jesus didn't get upset about it, apparently, and showed him his, just deluged him with his love. He could hardly even talk about it because someone else showed him love. Hallelujah. We are his body. I'm going to, not going to read the whole thing, but 1 Corinthians 12, starting verse, verse 12. The title of this particular section in my Bible says, Unity and Diversity in One Body. Unity and diversity in one body. For verse 12, for as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body, many being, um, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Where Jews or Greeks, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and I have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Let's uh, jump down to verse 20. But now indeed, there are many men, and this, it goes on and says, if I'm not the eye, if I'm not the ear, all this, you know, I'm not part of the body and, you know, trying to disjoin itself and all that kind of stuff. And it's in verse 20, it says, but now indeed, there are many members, yet one. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. I'm going to cut you off. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Not, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker or necessary. Those members of the body which the, we think is less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members are honored with it. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Verse 